I really appreciate Sammy Durek. Bless his heart. He, he's, he's hurting. He, like me, tried to do 15-year-old things. And, uh, and he, he's hurting a little bit this morning as well. And uh, we got there. Of course, we've never been to camp with a lot of these folks before. And we didn't know how much of a rivalry there really was between Kentucky and Tennessee. So they started pulling out all this blue and love you blue stuff. And so the last day, the last day, Sammy, he, he gets permission and he and I ride through the camp with a bullhorn that wakes people up in the morning at 7 o'clock and he plays Rocky Top <laughs> the whole camp way around. And he and I already have in our minds to pick up any little thing with Tennessee on it. We're going to plaster it everywhere around that camp. It'll be orange and white next time we... Next time we go, I tell you. But they're good people. I tell you, the people that we went to camp with were good people. They really were. And we've already been talking about, you know, having in our minds maybe a gospel meeting or a series of, of, of meetings, uh, a, a bust the border gospel meeting. Uh, because Franklin's not that far away. Bowling Green is not that far away. Kind of in our minds it's a long way because it's a whole state away. I'll never forget Madison Hunt. She said, how is it I can go to a whole different state in 15 minutes, but it takes me three hours to get my grandmother in Tennessee in the same state. She just couldn't figure that, you know, that distance logistics relationship out. It was, it was hard for her, you know. And uh, so, but these folks, they're just across the border, and, and that border's in our minds many times. We've got wonderful brothers and sisters uh, up, in, up to the north of us, and uh, we look forward to uh, more of a relationship. Uh, Mark Triplett, I believe, said that we made the right choice, and uh, a few, uh, many others did as well. And so I hope that. Uh, and, and Sammy said something in his prayer just a minute ago about uh, the counselors who, who took their time. I tell you what, you did, and you did a wonderful job. And I mean, we didn't, y'all didn't lay down in the least little bit. And, and you were helpful, and you were cooperative, and 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 it, we did we did we did good, we did a good we did a good thing. But we gave of our time. We gave of the most expensive thing that we have. We gave our time, and we weren't paid for it except in the smiles and the laughter and the and the growth of our children. And it was wonderful. It really, really was. And if if you'd like to be a part of that, we want you to be a part of that because Lord willing, we'll be doing it again next year God's people have always been a people of prayer we read in the Old Testament that faithful Jews ideally prayed three times a day there was a plot in the, the Old Testament book of Daniel to take the prophet Daniel's life uh, King Darius while the Jews were in captivity uh, Daniel was his advisor, was an advisor to the king. But the king's other advisors, they didn't like Daniel. And they knew Daniel's lifestyle. And they knew a way that they could probably get rid of Daniel if they could pull one over on the king. They knew he prayed and they got the king to sign a decree that a statue dedicated in the king's honor was to be honored by making a firm decree, Daniel chapter 6, verse 7, that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. But, but look here at verse, at verse 10. 
Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. You know, a good way for the devil to destroy us was to, would be to keep us from praying. If you, want the devil, if you want the devil to take a foothold in your life, just stop praying. We need to be a praying people. They, they tried to do this to Daniel, but Daniel knew the source of his strength God's people, we've always understood how powerful, how powerful prayer is. How helpful prayer is. Brother Ted Waller said that prayer is man at the feet of God expressing the honest feelings of his heart. And I would say that the majority of prayer, the majority of the prayers that we pray are done in secret. The majority of the prayers that we pray are done in our homes, in our bedrooms, in our beds, uh, on our drive to work, on our drive from work. When we're alone, Jesus spent much time alone in prayer. Jesus tells us in his sermon on the mountain in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will, re will reward you openly. And as we see, Jesus not only prayed himself, but as these verses uh, that follow attest to, Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. This is where Jesus taught his disciples how to pray by command as individuals, by example, by inference, we know that we should pray. But what about when we assemble together? When we're in corporate worship like we are right now, when the family is assembled, the question today is not should we pray, but is prayer a part of corporate or, or public worship? Is that pleasing to God? We want to be we want to be pleasing to God. When we assemble and pray as a group, are we pleasing to God? We have example in the New Testament of group prayer. Jesus told the apostles that the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, would guide them into all truth. And so from the examples that we have, uh, that they that we, we, we understand Jesus' teachings in Matthew chapter 6. We understand from Matthew chapter 6 that this is not intended to stop group prayer. In Acts chapter chapters 1 and Acts chapters 4, we, we read of the church assembled in corporate or, or group prayer. When Jesus left the earth in, in Acts chapter 1, the disciples went back to Jerusalem and, and waited with great anticipation and fear in an upper room for what was about to go happen next. In Acts chapter 1 verse 13, all the apostles were named except for the one who betrayed Jesus. Verse 14, all these continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the, with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, with his brothers. And we have this example in Acts chapter 1 of, of, of Christians 
gathering together as one in prayer. We have this example in Acts chapter 4 when the church was together and prayed. In Acts chapters uh, 12 and Acts chapter 13, we have the example of, of, of corporate worship, corporate prayer, where, prayer, where, the, where the church in Antioch was, was considered a praying church. I believe the Scripture, it'll bear me out. I believe the Scriptures will bear me out that there's a pattern to follow in all of our examples of, of public prayer. Our prayers, public and private, must be pointed They must have certain requirements to make them effectual. And one of those requirements that they should have is to be pointed, to be specific. Our prayers should be specific. Jesus shows us how. You know, whatever load his heart was carrying, it seemed that Jesus used that as his pointed specific prayer. Even in his darkest hours of life, whatever was on his heart was the subject of his prayer. Jesus prayed three times for the cup to pass from him. Luke chapter 22, verse 42. On the cross, he cried out and he asked, God, why have you forsaken me? Matthew chapter 27, verse 46. On the cross, he asked forgiveness for those who crucified him. The longest prayer of Jesus In John chapter 17, here the burden of the heart of Jesus was for unity. The unity of the disciples. The unity that we need. The unity for us between God the Father and Jesus. That we would be in Him and He in us and and we in the Father. That unity. Was His prayer approved? Was His prayer answered? Well, here we are. Here we are. We have Jesus as our examples and the apostles as our examples praying for a specific pointed purpose. The prayer of the disciples in Acts chapter 4 bears out the examples we need to follow in in a pointed prayer. Peter and John, uh, leaders in the church, had been arrested and they had spent the night in jail. They were under court order not to preach Jesus. They were under court order not to preach even in His name. Verse 23 says that when they were were released, Peter and John went to their fellow believers and told them everything that happened. And then in verse 24 of Acts chapter 4, when they heard this, they raised their voices to God with one mind and said, Master of all, you who made heaven and earth, the sea and everything that's in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that Signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. These disciples had a pointed purpose. They had a subject for their, for their prayer. These disciples began their prayer with glory to God. They glorified God, even, even repeating back what they knew to be true from the Scriptures. 
They even repeated that, that back to God. You know, if, if you and I are having a conversation and, I, and you tell me something and I tell you back what you just said, you understand that I understand what you said, right? God is the same way. He wants to know that we understand. These people were doing just that. They were repeating back what they knew, what they knew God to have already said and prophesied about. This shows understanding. And when they asked for specific things, they asked for specific things that, will help, that would help glorify God. Not glorify themselves, but things that would glorify God. These Christians were praying out of a felt need for God and they remembered who they were and they remembered who God is in their prayer. They remembered in their prayer that God had been opposed before and they asked for strength to weather the coming trials. Specifically, this was an assembled prayer and it was not a thank you for this day and all its many blessings kind of prayer. That's good. It has its place. But we must be more specific because of Jesus and answered prayer. We're going to the jail to preach today. We're not coming out of jail. Because of Jesus, we're going into the jail. Our crisis is not that of our brothers and sisters in Acts 4 who were coming out of jail. But we have crises just the same. And should we not always have something before us and before the Lord that we're trying to do for the Lord? Should we not always be, be praying for something specific? From postcards to, to gospel meetings to family rallies to, subjective, to subjectivism, denominationalism, sins of the flesh that are in our midst. Shouldn't we always have those topics before our God? Those important things that we think about and we, we live with and we put up with? Lives who need Jesus Christ, shouldn't we bring them before God? We need to be to the point, specific in our prayers, public and private. We should be pointed and specific, but we should also be able to measure our prayers. Our prayers should be measurable, not by human standards, but by spiritual standards. We shouldn't measure the effectiveness of our prayers in this way. Well, I prayed and God didn't answer it. He didn't answer my prayers. That shouldn't be the measure of our prayers. God didn't remove this hardship in my life, so He didn't answer my prayer. The way we should measure the prayer is, was God's kingdom glorified? Was God uplifted? Was the gospel uplifted? Paul tells the Ephesians, he, he, he prayed, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 through 19, he prayed for them that, verse 16, their inner person would be strengthened with power through his spirit, that, verse 17, Christ would dwell in their hearts through faith, that they would understand the wideness, the length, the height, the depth of God's love. He prayed for that, specifically. It was something that could be measured. 
Paul truly cared, our prayers should, ref should reflect real concern of the one praying. If you're saying a public prayer or a private prayer, truly care about what you're praying for, truly care about what you're bringing to God. You know, well, if you really don't care about it, why are you bringing it to God? Why do you want Him to care about it? Our prayers should be able to be attained. They should be pointed. They should be measurable. But they should also be attainable. Will God answer the prayers of His faithful children? Oh, oh yes. Most certainly God answers prayer. Sometimes it's yes. Sometimes it's no. Sometimes it's no, but how about this? Sometimes it's yes, but how about this too? Sometimes the answer is just no. It's plain old no. You know, children sometimes ask for the wrong thing. God loves us. Jesus promised, ask and it will be given to you. But the answer, because of God's loving nature, the answer will always be within the framework of our best interest. Because our God loves us so much. And He is love. In public prayer, attainability is set by the leader of the prayer. Prayer in our times of worship are not filler. What Sammy did this morning is not a... Well, that's just the time we do it. It's not a filler time. It's not something that should be thought of as, Well, we got that checked off. Let's go to the next thing on the list of our worship service. Should it might be thought of in that way as a checkoff list? Because could someone who is insensitive to sin lead us into repentance? Could someone with no vision or care for winning souls lead the church in evangelism? Could someone who does not honor Christ in his life honor him in prayer? Inspiring prayers can hardly be expected from someone who's not in the struggle. Men, the prayers you lead from here affect the daily lives of those in the audience. The prayers you lead from here, many times what you pray for affects what we pray for in private. Preaching is important. Singing is important. Handing out the Lord's Supper is important. But what greater role in public worship could you have than to bring the concerns and the cares of those of us here at Fountainhead to the feet of our, loving, our, our Lord and Savior? To God Almighty. And many times I'm guilty too. We look for those giving the announcements to tell our sick, to tell about the program that we need. But we also should seek out the one who is praying and get them on board with it too. The one praying in public, even in our private prayers, must ask beforehand if the request is practical, if it's realistic 
Is the prayer realistic? For a prayer to be practical, for it to be realistic, it must be asked in faith. James chapter 1 verse 5, if we, if we don't, we're like the waves of the sea tossed around by the wind. We are double-minded and we should not expect anything from the Lord. We must ask in faith and according to God's will. 1 John chapter 5 verse 14, whenever we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. What the verse says. But it must be within accordance to God's will. Our prayers must be according to faith and His will, and they must be in obedience. God answers the prayers of His faithful children. 1 John chapter 3, verse 21. Whatever we ask, we receive because we obey. Prayers asked in faith according to God's will from obedient Christians are to be asked in the name of Jesus. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Are your prayers being answered? Are your prayers being answered? Do you know? Are the prayers here at Fountainhead being answered? Are they being asked in faith? Are they, be, are they being asked with, with no doubting? Are they being asked according to God's will? Are we obedient? Is our prayer asked in the name of all names? The only name by which men must be saved. A quick look at a concordance, as I've got on the screen here, a quick look at a concordance will tell us why some prayers go unanswered Proverbs 28, verse 9, refusal to hear God's Word. That's, why, that's one reason why your prayer may be going unanswered. Isaiah 29, verse 13, you have an estranged heart. Your heart is, is, is estranged from the will of God. You really don't want to do it. Isaiah 59, verse 2, just plain old sin. There's plain old sin in your life. Maybe another reason why your prayers aren't being answered. Praying to be seen, as we've seen in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. Pride. Luke chapter 18, verses 11 through 14. You know, even being inconsiderate of your husband and wife, Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, even being inconsiderate of them will dampen and hamper your prayers. Do you fall into any, any of these categories? Are your prayers being answered? Well, if not, maybe there's something going on that you need to take care of. And again, all the requirements could be met for answered prayer. The answer still be no. Paul had a thorn in the flesh, and Paul prayed for this thing that hurt him to be taken away, but God said that Paul's weakness was his strength. Jesus, he prayed for the cup to pass, but it was for our good that it did not. It was for our good that that prayer was never answered. Paul and Jesus, they still asked, didn't they? 
may still last because of David's sin and the way he treated God with such contempt in the murder of Uriah and adultery with Bathsheba, David and Bathsheba's child was to die. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 16. God said, because you've done this through the prophet Nathan, your baby's going to die. David pleaded with God for the child. Pleaded with him. Fasted. He laid all night out on the ground. child died. Prayer wouldn't answer. Paul, Jesus, David, they were urgent in their prayers. They were urgent in their prayers. That's, that's another point that must be made in our prayers. They must be realistic, but they must be urgent. We understand this as parents and grandparents. Our elders understand this in our lives that sometimes the best answer is no sometimes the urgent answer is no and that there are always consequences to our actions but like Paul, Jesus and David our prayers should be urgent prayer should be our top priority from the, from the pulpit to our private lives Our prayers should be pressing, compelling, requiring our immediate action, our our immediate attention. Paul told Timothy, 1 Timothy 2, verse 1, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. This should be our focus. This should be our focus. That all men should be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. This should be our focus for our gospel meeting coming up. This should be our focus for our our family rally. Our prayers must be our prayers must be if they're in accordance with God's will they must be evangelistic. Urgent. We want not just ourselves to be a Christian, but we want everyone to be a Christian. We are to 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing. Urgent. Our number one priority. Here at Fountainhead, we don't pray just because it's time for prayer. And the leader of our prayer should know what the church is trying to do and pray for it. Many times our prayers become repetitious. And repetition of itself is not evil or wrong, but repetition because we have nothing to say well becomes just empty words. We could pray that everyone in Portland hear the truth and be saved. Our prayer would be like Paul's in Romans chapter 10, verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. They had a zeal, Paul said, 
They had a zeal, but not according to knowledge. They, they wanted to please God. They wanted to obey God, but didn't know the truth. How many of your friends and your family in Portland are just like this? They don't know the truth. They're zealous for God, but not according to knowledge. God wants all to be saved. You know, what would we do with everyone is an old excuse. Well, what would we do with everybody? Well, that's an old, tired excuse. Let's plant. Let's water. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. And let God take care of the increase. Let's just do our job. Is it your prayer this morning that those who are zealous for God will put their zeal in line with God's will and obey? Is that your prayer this morning? Paul, in his sermon in Acts chapter 17, he said in verse 26 that God had made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth, has determined their pre-appointed times and, and their boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for Him and find Him, though He is not far from each one of us. Grope for God. He's not far. He's as close as a prayer. He's as attainable as your obedience to Him. Make your obedience to Him urgent now. You know, Jesus died for us. He was buried and He rose for you. And He desires that you follow in obedience by dying to self, being buried in baptism, and then being raised to walk in newness of life. Come. Obey now. Your need is urgent. But your need is attainable. Obey God as together we stand and sing.